Kempe. This is Talk the Talk. I'm Bill Newman. And I am Buzz Eisenberg. And we begin with a few notes on today's news. East Hampton has finally, well, not exactly hired a superintendent of schools, but has decided to hire an interim superintendent of schools. So that is progress of a sort. It is at least a solution to what I think the technical legal term is a mess in terms of the hiring process for a superintendent in East Hampton. This seems to be the, at this point, inevitable conclusion to what has gone on after two superintendents, the first two, those job offers fell through for the reasons we well know, or actually we don't well know because there's still dispute about how important this comment or this salutation, this greeting ladies, what role that did or did not play in the uh, withdrawal of the offer to uh, Vito Perone. But in any event, East Hampton at least has a way forward. It seems to me seems to me that it was the only logical outcome at this to me point. Me too. It's the only rational outcome. I got to tell you, I, I feel badly for these volunteer members who are trying to do the best they can. It, uh, and I, I think there's got to be a takeaway, not just for East Hampton, for, but for uh, you know all municipalities that have to hire people to fulfill important positions. Was this a problem of not vetting? Candidates, is this a problem where there's a four to three vote you shouldn't offer the position to someone if there's not, you don't need a complete consensus, but at least more than a four to three agreement that that's the right person? What do you think the problem is? Well, I think there are a number of problems, but I don't know that there is one clear takeaway from this situation. I do think that Vito Perone, when he addressed uh, the, the uh, chair of the board and the person who works for the board is ladies, signs at veto in the middle of uh, or the beginning of contract negotiations. There was a familiarity there that I thought was not really warranted under the circumstances, leaving aside all the other considerations. And in addition, I think that asking for uh, 40 sick days uh, – in the first year of a contract and asking for automatic raises in years thereafter unrelated to job performance. I, I did think that as a certain misreading of the, of the room, it was four to three. You did not have really enthusiastic backing. And uh, I, I, I did think that showed some lack of uh, appreciation for the situation as it existed and as the Gazette article uh, I think it was the Gazette. I can't remember now. It was also, also read the, was in the Boston Herald this morning. I read that. It's been, you read the Boston Herald? No, but it came up first when I did the search for uh, East <laughs> okay. Hampton School. You're forgiven. I, thank you. And uh, I, I did think that the, the uh, lack of appreciation was uh, for the situation. As I said, the misreading of the room uh, is and was significant. After all, superintendent really has to work with the school committee and when you were only offered the job by a four to three vote, you don't have the enthusiastic backing of the school committee. Well, when I write the how-to manual for school committees hiring superintendents, I'm going to put, don't order a wellness check at midnight down in chapter one. Yeah, I, I, that didn't make a lot of sense. Um, yet it didn't. A lot, a lot of mistakes along the way here. Let's turn to our guests who are with us in the studio. We have Peter McClellan, who is the assistant producer of the Northampton Arts Council, and Michael Lawrence Riddell, who is the executive director of Self-Evident Education, and Usman Power-Green, who is a professor at Clark University, 
professor of history on the board of directors, I believe, as well at the David Ruggles Center in Florence. Thank you all so very much for being with us. And the reason that Peter McQuillan and Michael Lawrence Rudell and Professor uh, Power Green are with us and back in the studio with us today, welcome all of you, is because this weekend at the Bombeck Center for uh, Diversity and at Bombeck Center for Arts and Equity. Arts and Equity. I'm sorry. Thank you. Uh, there is a festival. I think that's the right word. The Power of Truth Festival. So let me start, if I might, with Peter McQuillan, Assistant Producer, Northampton Arts Council. What is the uh, what is this festival at the Bombic Center for Arts and Equity this weekend? Right. So the Northampton Arts Council is collaborating with Self Evident Education um, to present our second annual Power of Truths Arts and Education Festival. Um, it's happening Saturday and Sunday, the 29th and 30th, as you mentioned, at Bombix, and it's two days of education conference and um, arts events, and we have a great uh, stage show that Michael has put together and is happening on Saturday night. Um, know Your History Live, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, and But yeah, definitely inviting everyone to join us on Saturday and Sunday in Florence. Uh, it starts early in the morning. On what time? Uh, 10 a.m. And goes till? Uh, goes until the afternoon. Five, the, so the conference uh, sessions are 10 a.m. to 5.30 on Saturday, and then the show, uh, Know the Ledge Hip Hop History Live, is 7 to 10 on Saturday night. What's the inspiration? Let me turn to Michael Lawrence Riddell, who is the executive director of Self-Evident Ed- Ed- Education, uh, headquartered in Northampton. Michael? Yes. Uh, so... You know, the inspiration for this, and I'm going to turn it over to Usman in in, in one second, but, you know, it sort of came out of conversations that Usman and I had, that Steve Sanderson and I had um, about the powers of... Steve Sanderson, director of the uh, events producer for the Arts Council. Yes, yes, yes. So, you know, conversations that we were having about the the power of arts and education really to to help people do critical thinking about, you know, uh, important social issues in in our world. Yeah, I mean, a lot of... What people don't realize, unfortunately, in our community is that we have such a rich history, uh, you know, in this community. Uh, and, you know, places like the David Ruggles Center, for example, um, and others have been doing that education. But, you know, we really feel like it's essential that we have, we bring the artists, we bring the educators, we bring the scholars all together to be able to celebrate the rich uh, history and heritage of our, our region and uh, as also being able to address issues of social change. So. I want to talk to both Michael Lawrence Riddell and Professor Usman Power Green about what exactly will be offered at the festival, what we can see, what we can participate, what we can hear, and all that. But I want to backfill for one second. Yeah, please. Michael Lawrence Riddell, you're the executive director of Self-Evident Education. What is Self-Evident Education? So Self-Evident Education is a nonprofit organization. We are building a library of multimedia resources, documentary films, and supporting curriculum that help people to understand the histories and the legacies of systemic racism in the United States. So we make short documentary films um, that are accessible and engaging to a wide audience that uh, you know, encourage people to, to dig deeper into our history and to understand um, you know, what... what uh, to understand our past so that we can better understand our present and envision and build a just future. And these are, I should note, powerful, gripping films. This is not simply your educational uh, programming. This is something that will, these are films that really grab you by the collar and make you pay attention. They are fabulous, fabulous productions. Let me go Thank to you. Thank uh, you, Bill. P- Professor uh, mm-hmm. uh, Usman Power Green for a second. You're with the Ruggles Center. Yep. You, 
for those of our listeners who don't know, what is the David Ruggles Center? Yeah, so the David Ruggles Center uh, is a is similarly engaged in educating the community about the abolition movement. Located um, in Florence. In Flor- located in Florence, um, and specifically really thinking about the role of the black abolitionist David Ruggles, who actually lived in Florence, you know, New York originally, and then came up here, as, long as, as well as Sojourner Truth and others who are in this community really working towards radical equity, uh, as, as we've oftentimes talked about, back in the 1830s, 40s, uh, and forward. So let me, let me take in turn... Uh, Michael Lawrence Riddell, Executive Director, Self-Evident Education. Tell us what it will be happening and what is available for all of us in the community at the Bombeck Center this weekend. So uh, starting on Saturday morning, there will be a series of panels, uh, keynote speeches, workshops. Um, Loretta Ross, professor at Smith College, will be speaking early in the uh, program on, on Saturday um, talking about her book that's coming out soon called Calling in the Calling Out Culture. So uh, Professor Ross has done a, a lot of work around um, the ways in which uh, progressive uh, folks can work together to you know, work towards a common cause and not sort of do this infighting that, that often happens. Um, there's also going to be talks from uh, authors, um, Ilion Wu, who's the author of Master Slave, Husband, Wife, a, a brilliant book about self-emancipated um, enslaved folks, uh, William and Ellen Craft. Um, we'll be premiering our, our newest self-evident film, which, you know, Bill talks about how powerful these films are. I can guarantee you this is going to be our best film yet. I'm so excited about it, um, which is about William and Ellen Craft at the festival. Um, there's going to be talks about uh, panel discussions about reparations. Professor Power Green and Professor uh, Tatish Natetta um, from UMass will be joined by Anika Lopes from Amherst, who's been doing work with the Amherst reparations movement um, to talk about reparations. Uh, folks talking about land and the importance of land and, and relationship to land to African American and Indigenous communities, um, and so much, so much more. Tiffany Jewell will be there on on Sunday talking with families about how to um, talk with your children about being anti-racist and doing anti-racist work, um, and being parents of of, of color in in. Um, a community like Northampton uh, will be the you know the the focus of her discussion. Yeah, I, I'm not exaggerating or using hyperbole when I say this is an all star cast. Really, seriously, like I look at it and I'm like, I can't believe that these people <laughs> have assembled around us. You know, it's it's at amazing ba- at yeah. Bombex this weekend again. Tell us when can we do do that, Peter McQuillan? Yep, it's uh, Saturday and Sunday, the twenty eighth. Ninth uh, and thirtieth, and uh, again, its registration starts at ten. So come on by early for all the great conf- uh, conference panelists and presenters. Do you have to register in advance? Is there a cost? Tell us about that. Yep, you can register um, at bombix.live. Or you, or you can just come. Yep, you yep. can come to the door day of. Uh, also, powerofTruths.org. You'll find a lot of uh, registration information schedule. And is there a cost? There. Yes, there is. There, there is a cost. So general public cost for the conference uh, tickets are forty dollars. We have don't uh, we have uh, reduced cost tickets for students and educators and veterans and seniors, um, and then there's a separate ticket for the Know the Ledge Hip Hop History Live Show, um, which is general admission twenty five, and then discounted rates for all of those groups. Also, people within the Northampton Public School community uh, can register for free um, with the coupon code. I, should I share this or is it secret information? It's going out over the airwaves. Coupon code 
NPS, all caps, uh, free registration for the conference. Terrific. And I want to understand this. Perhaps I go back to uh, Professor uh, Power Green. The, you, you've told us, or you've both told us about these extraordinary yep. activists and educators yep. who will be part of the conference. Are these uh, talks they're going to give with Q&As or are they workshops? How does this conference going to work? I show up at the yeah. door. I pay my registration fee. I'm there for Saturday and Sunday. Yep. see this fabulous performance on Saturday evening. What time is that? 7 to 10. Yep. And but I want to know what what am I going to be able to participate yeah, in? Yeah, so so we actually have a combination. What's exciting about the conference is the variety of types of experience you can have. You know, if you're an educator, if you're just curious about current debates, uh, you know, around issues around history. I mentioned the panel about reparations. So it's going to actually be a mix of some workshops, some presentations of people's work, and also community conversations. So people can actually come together and hear different people's viewpoints about uh, sort of issues that uh, we think are really important related to history and social justice. So those are the types of things. Workshops, talks, I, I, I would like to know a little bit more about how, what my day looks like when I go. Yeah, so, you know, in, in every session, there will be some opportunity for audience interaction, whether it's a Q&A or, you know, as Usman said, conversations within the group. Um, a lot of it will be, um, you know, sort of traditional panel style, but with a really community-centered yeah. uh, bent bend to them or, 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 or leaning. I don't know. I'm looking for some word and I'm not yeah, finding no, it. Yeah, no, I mean, I just want to just jump in there and say that, you know, a lot of times, you know, particularly, you know, professors and scholars are at scholarly conferences where they're presenting their work, whereas when you're in the community, right, you're, you're really trying to engage people in the ideas in a way that um, brings people in who aren't actually know that much about the topic, right? Well, so we're looking at some master educators. Education is part of the theme. Absolutely. A lot of us are verbal learners. A lot of us have to ask a question in order, and it sounds like there's a lot of learning that's going to happen this weekend. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'd like to ask one, about one specific topic, and we just have a minute left, but I would really want to know. Reparations is yep. a big issue in Amherst. It's yep. a big issue in Northampton now. Can you tell us a bit more about what will be available for those of us who want to know more yeah. about reparations? Yeah, well, I mean, it, you know, really, this is an opportunity to to sit down with with some of us, you know, uh, myself, Fessinetta, and others, and sort of listen to both the history and the ways in which uh, this conversation is happening outside of Northampton, right? So it's very common that we feel very engaged and we're stuck sort of in our local space. Um, but this is a part of a national, international dialogue, which I'm looking forward to sharing with people to give people context for the conversation and how it's playing itself out. And um, is this a workshop or a... a uh, it's, a, it's a panel discussion, presenta short presentations with uh, opportunities to, as I said, you know, bring our expertise uh, on this topic to people who are interested um, and also engage in some dialogue about it. But again, with the eye towards the broader, the broader community, because not everyone who comes is going to be from Northampton. Absolutely, so. I understand that. And Professor Usman Power Green, yep. will you be part of that panel? Yes, yes, I'll be a part of it. And uh, looking forward, to, I've been learning a lot recently, and I'm looking forward to engaging people with the other members learned. of the panel. Yeah, so Professor uh, yeah. Tatish Nateta mm -hmm. from from UMass, and then Anika Lopes, who's a counselor in in Amherst. There's another uh, session in the morning called Beyond Acknowledgement: This Land Is Whose Land, which is going to feature yep. um, Ibrahim Ali, former uh, director of Gardening the Community. Justin Beatty, who's the founder of the Odenong Powwow in Amherst, and Nina Buxenbaum, who's one of the founders of Kindred Crafts, which is an um, artist residence and agroforest in, in Vermont. And they're going to be talking about, again, that connection really specifically to the land. And then we'll go a little bit broader in the reparations. Wow. Panel. 
And all of this is available. We can look and see the entire program online. Yeah, if you go to bombix.live or powerofthruth.org, um, there's a there's a schedule that outlines all of the the sessions and the times they'll be and all of that. Okay, let's end with Peter McQuillan. Tell us one more time the times and place. So we are Saturday and Sunday, April 29th and 30th at the Bombix Center for Arts and Equity. Uh, join us at 10 a.m. for registration and the start of the conference. Um, don't miss Know the Ledge Hip Hop History Live, our live show on Saturday night from 7 to 10 p.m. And uh, more conferences on Sunday. This is the Power of Truth Festival at Bombex. Peter McQuillan, Michael Lawrence Riddell, uh, Professor Usman Power Green, thank you all so very much for doing this. Thanks for being here. The community is in your debt. Yeah, no, thanks. Looking thank you both for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. Come on out. We'll see you there. Thanks, Bill. We'll be right back. Change gonna come. Oh, yes, it will. It's been too hard living, but I'm afraid to die. Cause I don't know what's up there beyond the sky. It's been a long, a long time coming, but I know a change gonna come. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. For 50 years, the Center for Women and Community has provided trauma-informed leadership and advocacy services, including 24-hour free and confidential support for survivors and their loved ones throughout Hampshire County. April is National Sexual Assault Awareness Month. CWC is here for you. If you've been impacted by violence, call the Sexual Assault Support and Advocacy Hotline for information, support, and resources. Learn about volunteer and professional staff opportunities at umass.edu slash CWC. Come on over to the co-op, the Greenfield Cooperative Bank. At Greenfield Cooperative Bank, it pays to get pre-approved. If you're looking to buy a home, right now is the perfect time to save up to $1,250 on your mortgage closing costs. We make it easy to apply online at bestlocalbank.com or at any of our branch locations. Our local, experienced mortgage team is happy to walk you through the process so you can get in your new home as quickly and as easily as possible. So apply online or come see us in person and receive a $750 closing credit plus an additional $500 when we pre-approve you. Close by September 30th be a new first-time mortgage customer or refinance from another loan provider. Minimum $100,000 loan subject to change or end without notice. Other conditions apply. See bank for details. Greenfield Cooperative Bank is an equal housing lender member FDIC member DIF. You can count on your friends at the co-op. Here comes the money. You could be one word away from $1,000. It's a grand in the hand on WHMP. Listen each weekday for the $1,000 keyword at around 8.15, 12.15, and 4.15. When you hear the keyword, just go to whmp.com and enter it for a shot at $1,000. You have until midnight to enter the keyword of the day. It's a grand in the hand on WHMP. Complete rules and details on whmp.com. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. 
We are joined in the studio by some old friends of the show, Megan Zinn and Lisa Papadimitrio. They are members of the Northampton Education Foundation Board, and they are here because we want you to know about the now annual online trivia bee. Listen, you guys are involved with really important issues, doing really significant work for the Northampton schools. NEF has been a stalwart in terms of creativity Mm -hmm. and expanding Mm -hmm. the the goals and aspirations of teachers and students for many years. More than 30. uh, 30 years in Northampton. It is raised, now has endowment, I think, of some over $2 million. Mm -hmm. Really, it's an amazing community organization. Yeah, yeah. And what are you guys involved in? Trivia? Trivia. Okay. Trivia. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it sounds tri- trivial. From but. trivia to the most important thing in town. It's, we, we cross, um, you know, the whole, the whole gamut. Okay, um, the trivia bee. The, the trivia yeah, bee. Well, this is how we raise money, to, uh, of course, to um, give, give to the schools, to, to support grants in the public schools. Right, and our grantees include um, Self-Evident Media, who Your was just on guests. here. Yeah. yeah, they're doing uh, programs in the schools, you know, funded, funded by us. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, I want to hear about a bit more about NEF, mm-hmm. and then I want to hear about the trivia because we can all participate in the trivia. Yeah. Yes. yes, because anybody in the whole world could participate because it's online. Mm-hmm. Um, Lisa, can you tell a little bit about any the basics of NEF? Sure, the basics of NEF. Well, NEF has been around to fund. Uh, we have several different funds. We fund small grants for teachers, and those are for um, – Usually uh, grants that that will encompass one or two uh, classrooms, and they s- run the gamut from STEM to yoga to, um, you arts, know, certainly. arts, exactly, anti-racism. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, that's one program we run. The other is This is a small program. grants program, which I yeah. suppose, by way of disclosure, I should note that my wife, Del Melcher, <laughs> yes. has been uh, a head of the small grants committee yes. for a long time. Yes. yes, yes, absolutely. She is the queen of that. And we love her. Um, and so we also have the endowment grants, which are much larger grants, multi-school grants, multi-year grants. Um, and much and larger grants. Yeah. Small, small yeah. grants are usually a couple thousand dollars. Uh, yeah. 3000 for, um, but if, if you're doing cross-school, it can go up to 5000 and yeah, endowment can be twenty five, thirty thousand. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and the, that's multi school. And the small grants are for essentially teacher generated yeah. projects. Mm-hmm. That's right. We don't generate our own ideas. Uh, we just Thank absolutely we just you know get all the great ideas in the uh, in the community and effectively give them money so that they can work out uh, the kinks in a laboratory and ideally uh, keep them going if they're effective and sp- and spread the word. Yeah. Right. So there's sort of a, a, two, a one, two, three-year laboratory for an idea. Does this work in the classroom? And then how do you integrate that yeah. learning into yeah. the school curriculum exactly. itself? Okay. So let's spend one more minute. The large grants, multi-school, yeah. multi-year, what are they? We call them the endowment grants because they are, are are paid for by the endowment, and they are often you know, multi-school. Um, sometimes it's a small grant, and they've grown, and they've started working with multiple schools, and then they apply for. Give an us an example, grant. Uh, right? School gardens, school gardens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, they started out, I think, one by one in the schools, and then they became a district-wide, um, very large uh, grant. And um, it's so. Faculty participates, student yeah. participates, mm-hmm. yeah. multidiscipline, uh, uh, as well as hands-on learning. Yeah, absolutely. It's all, yeah. all inspired. All inspired. And, and there's also the NEF Book Fund, which um, gives a certain amount of money to each school 
to buy books and, um, and instructional materials. And, um, and that is um, funded in, in part by the, the NEF plant sale, which is every year, coming, it, which yeah. is the, the, the day before Mother's Day. Yeah, coming right up. The plant. Smith Vogue. For someone who's not a Northampton guy, and again, that's the Northampton Education Foundation every time we see an NEF, yeah. is this model, do a lot of school districts have this model? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Private money for public education. Um, and But I have to say that Northampton is kind of an exemplary community in terms of our commitment. Yeah, and the community really supports the uh, Northampton Education Foundation really well. Absolutely. It's almost like the community really values creativity in <laughs> education. Yes. You think? Yeah, they do. <laughs> okay, let's hear about the trivia beat. Let's How do we play? Who plays? How do we support it? And I'm... I'm hesitant to ask for an example or two. Oh, we have, have some, I have some trivia questions <laughs> Do not hesitate. Here. I have some trivia questions. They're not too hard. Um, the tri- This is our second annual um, online trivia bee, which um, we started because of the pandemic. And mm-hmm. a nod to the Amherst Education Foundation, we, we stole their idea. Um, and uh, I'll admit that. Imitation um, is the sincerest yes. form of flattery. And yes. the sponsors sponsor questions. Um, and I will say that Talk the Talk is a sponsor of ours this year. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And um, and then anyone who wants to participate, they pay $25 for a team of up to five people. And but you can have a team of one. You can have a team of one, yep. Mm-hmm. And um, they will get a link right before, you know, a day or so before the event. And it's essentially a big Zoom call. Um, and it's run by the Trivia Brothers. Yes, who are very fun. There's a lot of music. There's it was last year was such a blast. Um, it was hilarious. And we give out awards, uh, prizes for. Lisa, we give out prizes. prizes for best team dancing, which was a prize. <laughs> best we, team dancing. Well, you know, you there's know, music in between each question, and everybody was it's, looking. Everyone was dancing last year, and so this was an impromptu prize that we came up with at the last moment. <laughs> we were like, like, we've got, we've got to reward this. Uh, best pet cameo. Last year we had people. We had one guy. Running after a chicken, I think there was someone running after a chicken. Oh, Northampton. There was, you know, people were holding up their gerbils, their guinea pigs. Their oh, who won? Uh, there was a dog who was relentlessly on the video. So we had to, we had to reward that dog who was just basically, I think, competing alone solo yeah. uh, in this trivia competition. <laughs> uh, and of course, we have one for just funniest overall team, and then. Um, one final prize for actually knowing trivia. Yeah, actually, the most yeah. trivia. Knowing yes. the most trivia. And when is this, and how do we register, and do we need to register? Tell us about that. It is uh, Wednesday, May 3rd, so a week from today, at 6 p.m., making it a family-friendly time. And this is a family-friendly event. Um, mm-hmm. we, we encourage families to participate. And okay. gerbils. Yeah, and, and, gerbils. and gerbils. And there are some questions that um, Only the gerbils know the answer to. Only the gerbils know. Only the gerbils know. Um, but sometimes only the kids know. Um, and um, you can go to the NE- the Northampton Education Foundation website, and there's an easy link to the Trivia Bee, but it is um, northamptoneducation.org slash Trivia Bee. And are you still looking for participants? Are you looking yeah. for sponsors? Yes. What, what are you looking for? How um, do we support this? Particularly participants. We would love more. Um, we always love more sponsors. So, um, and so because you can sponsor and not participate, and you can participate and not sponsor. Okay. You, there are yes. lots of ways to be yes. involved. Um, and if you, do, if you do sponsor, you can have a team participate for free. We won't, we won't ask you for another $25. <laughs> um, and um, you can um, register both as a sponsor or as a team on the website. Okay. Right. And the way the sponsorship works is that the sponsors actually sponsor an individual question. So your, you know, your logo would be up there like before each question. 
And then there are questions. I hesitate. Did you bring any questions, I for example? You know she did. Oh, you did. Love me, Nigeria. Okay. Oh, right. Way to go, Bill. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. We just <laughs> eased into that. We're going to take a break, and we're going to play a little trivia right after it. Yay. Stay with us. This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. The conversation was heated at the East Hampton School Committee meeting last night when the public had a chance to voice their concerns about the search for a superintendent. Many parents disagreed with the decision to rescind Dr. Vito Perone's job offer. Have an awesome candidate. Dr. Perone outshines them all, but you cannot admit that you were wrong. Their next superintendent pick, Dr. Erica Faginski-Stark, withdrew from negotiations. She was accused of using conservative transphobic rhetoric on her social media. Transphobic comments make a candidate not viable for this district. The school committee voted five to one with one vote to abstain to pursue seeking an interim superintendent for one year. The state education board is exploring new ways to address the statewide teacher shortage through more flexible regulations for specialized educators. Board members voted to start the process of amending education licensure regulations to create an easier pathway for already licensed teachers to be able to teach special education and English as a second language, among other changes. Irving residents met Monday at the elementary school to discuss six options for the demolition of the paper mill and found the community strongly supports the first option that would pay for the demolition in a one-year tax override amounting to $3.7 million. The $3.7 million and a $600,000 grant would fully fund the demolition of the mill, save a pump house. Another day with a mixture of sun and clouds and another round of scattered showers, mainly this afternoon, a high of 60 to 64. The scattered showers continue this evening, otherwise variable clouds, an overnight low of 36 to 42. Sun cloud mix, chance for a few showers tomorrow, a high of 58 to 62, 60s and dry on Friday. 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 101.5 WHMP. This news update in Spanish is brought to you by our friends at Holyoke Media. Yo soy Johan Rashivega con la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media. El viernes, la Corte Suprema preservó el acceso de las mujeres a un medicamento utilizado en el método de aborto más común, rechazando las restricciones de los tribunales inferiores mientras continúa la demanda. Los jueces concedieron solicitudes de emergencia de la administración Biden y Danco Laboratories con sede en Nueva York, fabricante de la droga Mifepristona. Es casi seguro que la acción del tribunal el viernes dejará el acceso a la Mifepristona sin cambios al menos hasta el próximo año, mientras se desarrollan las apelaciones, incluida una posible apelación ante el Tribunal Superior. La próxima parada del caso es en la Corte de Apelaciones del Quinto Circuito de los Estados Unidos con sede en Nueva Orleans, que fijó los argumentos del caso para el 17 de mayo. Por su parte, el presidente Joe Biden elogió al Tribunal Superior por mantener disponible la mifepristona mientras continúa la lucha judicial. En otras informaciones, se espera que el presidente Joe Biden contrate a Julie Rodríguez, una asesora principal de la Casa Blanca, para administrar su campaña de reelección, dijeron el domingo dos personas familiarizadas con las deliberaciones sobre el asunto. Rodríguez, quien es activista del Partido Demócrata desde hace mucho tiempo, también trabajó en la Casa Blanca del expresidente Barack Obama. Es nieta del líder sindical César Chávez y de la activista laboral Helen Favela Chávez. Al crecer en California, Julie Rodríguez 
Rodríguez participó activamente en campañas, piquetes, boicots, marchas y reuniones sindicales. Se ha desempeñado como directora de la Oficina de Asuntos Intergubernamentales de la Casa Blanca de Biden desde el comienzo de su presidencia y agregó el rol de asesora principal en junio pasado. Se espera que Biden anuncie formalmente su campaña de reelección de 2024 tan pronto como esta semana. Yo soy Johan Rashivega y esta fue la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media a través de WHMP. This news update in Spanish has been brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. We continue our conversation with Megan Zinn and Lisa Papadimitrio, who are board members of the Northampton Education Foundation. They are with us today because we want you to know about the annual online Trivia Bee that is being sponsored by NEF. It is a fundraiser. Annual online Trivia Bee next Wednesday, May 3rd, 6 o'clock. Tell us what we have to do if we want to be a sponsor, if we want to be a participant, if we want a team, if we want to contribute. What do we do? All you have to do is go to Northampton. No, sorry, I made it sound simple. <laughs> NorthamptonEducation.org. <laughs> Slash trivia B, and there's a very straightforward form to fill out. And there's still time to absolutely. still time. Yeah, absolutely. It's a week from today, May third at six p.m. Again, online. You can do it home at home, and it is family fun and family funny and family friendly. Yeah, all, yeah. The, all those things. Okay, so give us an example how this is going to work. Questions. Megan's um, in. Yes. Um, so here's the first one that uh, I think you know maybe or maybe the lawyers in the room know or maybe not. So Northampton used to have a law school. You probably know. I think this is the Northampton School of Law. What U.S. president graduated from it? Oh, I know this. Or I assume I know it. <laughs> well, I don't know. He, I, uh, Calvin uh, Coolidge went to Amherst. So I'm assuming he went to... Uh, it was not Calvin Coolidge. It was oh. not. Well before... Uh, uh, the school, I think, was long gone before Calvin Coolidge was around. Was it Donald Trump? Good, good, <laughs> good God, no. <laughs> A president went to the Northampton Law School. I'm so out of my league here. Yeah. Okay. It's Franklin Pierce. Franklin. Oh, of course. Franklin, how could we have missed that? <laughs> I, I, I was just thinking oh, about you Franklin. Work, you got to work on your Northampton <laughs> yes. uh, history knowledge. Okay, the, the, these will be less Northampton-centric. Um, how many noses does a slug have? <laughs> <laughs> this is an example of the kind of question that like kids, for some reason, know, well, know. the answer to. Uh, how, many, how many noses does a slug have? Uh, <laughs> Let's go back to the question about Franklin, <laughs> Franklin Pierce. Pierce. Yeah, yeah, right. How many noses Jane, does Franklin Pierce out, have? Uh, we have a doctor in the house, and <laughs> Dr. Jane Fleischman says two. Two? I'm taking one on each other. Okay. Okay. All right, let's go. That's and the answer four. is? Four. According to the well, list of Dr. trivia questions I look Look at up. this. Buzz brings in a ringer, Dr. Jane Fleischman, and she gets it wrong. Well, her, her reasoning Apparently was she's... one on each end. Yeah, well, yes. her, 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 Apparently she's not a slug doctor. So <laughs> all slugs, bear that in mind. <laughs> yeah, if you're looking for health care. <laughs> okay. She's not, she's not, she's not, not that yeah, kind of doctor. She's not a slug, ear, nose, and throat doctor. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Okay. All right. Um, we're, we're, we're O for whatever. What's it? Let's, try, let's try another. Okay. What is an octothorpe? O C T O T H O R P. It's it's a thorpe with eight eight legs. Eight legs. Yeah. It's an eight leg. It's an eight legged thorpe. Yeah. Right. (laughs) An octothorpe. Any clue? Nope. It is a hashtag or pound sign. Pound sign. You know what? Hashtag octothorpe. Oh. Yeah. The hashtag. The hashtag we use. Called an octothorpe because it has eight. 
ends. Oh, yeah. Oh, Bill, yeah. up until today, I've always liked Megan. Oh, I know. Oh. End of the relationship. Oct- Octothorpe. So ha- when did it become a hashtag? Now that's another. Think, yeah. The, what yeah. year? What year did an Octothorpe uh, become a hashtag? Yeah. That's an, another I'm, I'm question. An, I, because I'm old, I still call it a pound sign. A pound sign. <laughs> I, I, just, I say pound sign, not hashtag. Oh, okay. I want to start a literary band called Octothorpe. That's, no. a, yeah. that's a good one. Might be, even be out there. How many members? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I've got to have four, Oct- two Oct- on each end. Um, when is it? When is an octothorpe not a hashtag? Okay. Oh gosh, but, no, no, no. Let, let's 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 hear a couple more, um, and then we'll. This one might be a slightly easier one for y'all. What famous person was the teddy bear named for? Oh, I know this. It's Theodore Roosevelt. I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah, yeah. that's correct. Yeah. That's correct. There we go. We're one out of a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Shall we keep going. Do sure. Let's have another couple. One more. All right. Um, what planet has the most gravity? Octothorpe. <laughs> which I think is a nice way of saying no, which planet the, sucks the, the most. I think the, lar- oh. I, I think the largest uh, largest planet I would go with. That's a good question. Uh, well, the, the first four planets have a rock base, so that th- that would be a greater density, because the other four in our solar system have uh, gas in the middle, and right. so they would be lighter, right? So mm-hmm. what's the biggest of the four rock? Is that Venus? Is it Jupiter? It is Jupiter. Yeah, it's Jupiter, which is one of the gas planets, of course. But um, good. But it's search. It's big. It's big. I, I, and I'd like to point out, a Buzz got it co- absolutely correct, and B, it's not trivia. It's yeah. important. Course, it's really important. important. <laughs> if you live there, if you live there or want to visit Jupiter, this really matters. You yes. spend too much time with Mr. Universe, yeah. Bill Newman. And, and how many noses a slug has is very important to a slug. <laughs> <laughs> Not trivial to a slug. And, and, and all friends of slugs. Okay, let's have one more. Okay, one more. Um, what was the first country to use paper money? Oh. Oh. Uh, that's, that's really interesting. The answer's um, a little ironic. Well, ironic. Well, it's, certainly, certainly it was true in the American Revolution. Um, the question is, did yeah. it happen before then with Great Britain? Uh, I don't know the answer. I'm going to go with the colonies, the United States. I'm going to go with Italy. I'm, I'm going to go with I'm, China. Me too. I'm thinking China. The ladies have it. Oh, yes. Bad word. Oh, I know. You, you, you cannot be the superintendent <laughs> of schools. I'm sorry. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> However, you can be on the Northampton Education good, Foundation good. board. Tell us one more time how we participate and ways we can participate in the annual you, online trivia bee. Yes, you can be a sponsor. You can join a team and answer questions well or badly, uh, and all you have to do is go to northamptoneducation.org slash trivia bee. But if you just go to northamptoneducation.org, you'll find it. And if you want to participate, you can participate. If you want to contribute, you can contribute. If you just want your name read as being a sponsor and supporter for a team, you can do all those things. That's correct. That's right. Northampton Education Foundation Annual Online Trivia Bee, Wednesday, May 3rd. Thank you so much, Megan Zinn, Lisa Papa Dimitrio. Yeah, it was break, blast. Break a leg. All right. I'd like to be under the sea in an octopus's garden in the shade. He'd let us in, knows where we've been, 
in his octopus's garden in the shade. Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg coming up right here on WHMP. There are moments when the beauty in nature arrests us. We must look or listen very closely. These moments are so fleeting. How do we keep these moments of wonder alive? That's a question the poems in Mary Pfister's new collection wrestle with, but don't fully answer. Hence the title, Quick to Bolt. Mary Pfister reads from Quick to Bolt at Broadside Bookshop tonight at 7 p.m. Quick to Bolt is a delight. Be there as Mary Pfister brings these poems to life tonight at 7 p.m. at the Broadside. You take a classic like Caesar salad and start to mess with it, that could get you into trouble. Things could go wrong. The Caesar salad at Paul and Elizabeth's is a radical departure from the classic Caesar. And fortunately, in this case, things have gone rather right. Paul and Elizabeth's restaurant, a Caesar salad unlike any other, with romaine or kale or both, with balsamic onion, roasted red peppers, capers, smoked salmon, and the crowning touch, toasty hot polenta croutons. Do you know what's happening this Friday at 9 a.m.? Is this week's Shop Friday the Blue Heron? Correct! They go on sale this Friday at 9 a.m. The Blue Heron, the restaurant in the grand old town hall building in the center of Sunderland. Good food, good service, an ever-changing menu, and a signature martini you'll come back for again and again. There's nothing quite like the Blue Heron. Get ready to save 30% beginning Friday at 9 a.m. The Shop 30 store at whmp.com. Going once, going twice, are you going? This Friday, Riverside Industries' annual auction returns to East Hampton. Come at 6.30 to learn about Riverside, mingle, enjoy local food and beverages under the big top. The auction starts promptly at 7.45. Every dollar directly supports the critical work that Riverside Industries does. Get your tickets soon. This event will sell out. Can't make it? The virtual silent auction is happening right now in the same place you'll get your tickets for the live auction, rsi.org. Welcome to our monthly segment with Dr. Jane Fleischman, Sex Matters. And Dr. And it does. And it, thank you. Uh, I, probably not breaking news to most of our <laughs> listeners, but I got that. And today, Dr. Fleischman is going to continue since it seems to be quiz day here on the show. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Bill. No, no. We're doing so badly on the, <laughs> the previous quiz, we might as well continue on. Listen, uh, you have a quiz you began it in our last segment, so what are we being quizzed on today? Well, for folks who weren't here last month, we were talking about bisexuality, and I accused Buzz of looking at my notes when he got Shame something right. You. Oh, just I, looking at your notes, I feel so much better. Okay, let's let's move on. <laughs> but I knew Charles Shattuck. I know, and I didn't realize how smart he was, Bill. So it's I don't great. know about that. It's great. So for folks who were not here, we were talking about bisexuality because it's part of the LGBTQ, et cetera, umbrella for sexual orientations, but it's often been maligned. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the ways that historically bisexuals were really kind of seen as pariahs. So, and we should know that Dr. Jane Fleischman is indeed a sex educator. Thank you, Bill. 
So with a book. With a book. That's right. And please well, purchase it at Broadside. <laughs> and we want to give the title of the book as well. Oh, sure. As long well as we're engaged in yeah. uh, uh, shameless uh, uh, marketing. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was trying to find a different Thanks. phrase, but Thank yes. You. And the title is The Stonewall Generation. Okay, by Dr. Jane Fleischman. Okay, back to our quiz. By the way, Bill, before we get to the quiz, you know, I was a recipient of a number of NEF uh, Foundation small grants that your amazing wife was on the committee for. So I just want to say, a big shout out to Dale. Thanks, Dale. Okay. Dale Melcher. <laughs> okay. Next. The bisexual community was considered the ultimate pariahs by Newsweek magazine in 1987. Now, I don't, now, I don't know if some of you younger listeners realize it, but Newsweek and Time and Life, those were the ways that we got on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn in those days. That's how we got a lot of really interesting cultural news. So why did Newsweek... And before that, Look Magazine. Oh, I remember Look Magazine. So why did Newsweek call bisexual community ultimate pariahs in 1987? Ultimate what? Pariahs. Ooh, ouch. So think about what was going on in the 1980s, right? So A, it was believed that bisexuals caused the HIV-AIDS crisis. B, heterosexuals were jealous. (laughs) <laughs> can we go just 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 for the joy of it? Can we just go with that one and call it a day? <laughs> really? C. They lived invisible lives, or D. All of the above. What do you think? I would say A. Yeah, I go with A. Absolutely right, both of you. In fact, you know, there's over 20 million global cases of HIV that have been recorded. A whole generation was decimated. Social networks were depleted. Lives were irrevocably changed. And so it was easy to pin bisexuals as the scapegoats who were infecting otherwise, quote-unquote, innocent people. Remember all those theories about HIV. And so Including it was Satan's response to God. Totally. So researchers have found that bisexuals who lived through the 80s were more likely to be closeted longer than their gay or lesbian counterparts. And they also had much higher rates of job loss. And that might have been a motive for camouflaging their sexual identities. And so about that time, that Newsweek cover had a guy named Alan Rockaway, who was a bisexual activist and a member of a really interesting group called BIPOL, uh, Bisexual Political Organizers, who were able to speak out about this false narrative. So really interesting times, and not as much has changed since then, since I've been talking with current researchers today who are bisexuality researchers who are talking about having the same kinds of quote-unquote closets that bisexuals live in today. All right, you want to try another one, Bill? Sure. Okay. What year did the APA, the American Psychiatric Association, release their guidelines that, quote, homosexuality and bisexuality are not a mental illness? Now, you're going to be really upset when I tell you the real year, Bill, but ready? A, 1969, B, 1973, C, 2001, D, all of the above, or E, they haven't done it yet. <laughs> um, I don't know if the APA has done it with regard to bisexuality, so it may be they haven't. How about you? Uh, I think Bill is right. Well, it was actually in 2001. 2001. So because they lumped I, them both they, Because it was late. It was certainly late it with regard late. to, to uh, uh, homosexuality. Right. But which, we, they de, which they de, 
what's the word? Uh, I want to say decriminalized. But they declassified. 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 Out of the DSM. They took it out as a... The Diagnostic and right. Statistical Manual. Thank you, both of you. It was considered a pathology before then. And most of us only see... So it was 2001 when, 2001. when the American Psychiatric Association uh, destigmatized right. and declassified bisexuality. Right. And so it was both. It was gay, lesbian, bisexual clients. So oh, all at the same time? Right. So most of us think of it as just that moment where they said homosexuality was And that okay. was... And that, they didn't do that till 2001? 2001. And you know what's really intense? The guy that spoke about it, the psychiatrist who spoke about it, his name is uh, John Fryer. He had to wear a mask. Now, he wore a Nixon mask, which is really weird, right? But anyway, he had to wear a mask. He had to wear a mask because he couldn't be seen? He was so afraid was... to come out to his peers, who were also psychiatrists, as wow. a bisexual man. Yeah, we should note that on the first Pride Parade here in Northampton, many years ago, people wore paper bags right. over their head because right. they could not be right. identified for fear that they would lose their jobs or otherwise be stigmatized in their communities. Exactly. In fact, I was there, Bill, and you know what? I think you and Dale were there with one of the kids in a stroller, and one of the things that happened at that march was we had anti-abortion people on the side, on the on the side yep. who were opening their coats to show us pictures of dead babies. They were like equating homosexual rights with reproductive rights. And you know what? It's so similar today, right? It's it's such a part of the same... Uh, um, yeah, and we should know that the uh, what was then the Civil Liberties Union of Massachusetts, now the ACLU of Massachusetts, had to sue the city, which would not allow the parade to go on. Oh, is that right? That's true. Oh, let's, no go on with, let's go on right. with your quiz. Um, you're doing very well, by the way, both of you. You may not get all the answers right, but you have the right ideas. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the Where snowflake generation. We, right? we, 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 we are leading in the partial credit category. <laughs> all right, here's a good one. Although bisexuality is often an invisible sexual identity, right, because someone could be married to someone of a different gender and look like they're heterosexuals, but in fact have a bisexual identity inside their head, bisexual activists have accomplished, ready, A, they coined the word pride, even though they were not always welcome at pride events. Bisexual activist Brenda Howard coordinated the first pride march in 1970. Bisexual activist Lani Kaahumanu, who's in my book, published one of the first collections of essays by bisexuals called By Any Other Name, or D, All of the Above. What do you think? It's an easy one, Bill. You Let's go with All of the Above. Bill. I'm going with Buzz. Bill. <laughs> and <laughs> that's 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 revealing. <laughs> Bisexuals have not only had to deal with invisibility outside of their community; they've had to deal with invisibility inside the community. So it's very it's a it's a it's a tough. Say that road. again. Bisexuals have often felt like they were pariahs inside the LGBTQ community as well as pariahs outside. Really. So, really? And by the way, can we take this opportunity to plug the Northampton Pride March, which is going to be you. on May 6th? No, now the Hampshire Pride March. Right, Hampshire Pride. Hampshire Pride. Yeah. And you notice they don't even say gay or lesbian. It's just pride. Just pride, yeah. Which is great. I love that, Brandon. Me too. I love it. All right, real quick. In 2016, Kate Brown became the first openly bisexual governor in which state? Massachusetts, Vermont, Oregon, all of the above. Oregon. Dan knew it. I'm, Oregon. I'm, I'm going to go with not all of the above. Not all not of the gonna, above. <laughs> taking, just kind of taking a guess that you can't be governor of three states at the same time. Do I have one more minute? Yes. Mm -hmm. The U.S. population who identifies as bisexual is growing, declining, staying the same, or all of the above. What do you think? I'd say growing. 
Yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm going with Buzz. Buzz is right, so to speak. All right, I think you and Buzz <laughs> ought to go together on this one because, especially among younger generations, the most recent data we have is that you know between 2015 and 2019, the percentage of 15 to 17 year olds who said they identified as non-heterosexual rose. And according to nationwide surveys, you can see that this percentage is actually growing. Is Even that because people are coming out? People are coming out earlier, but people are also embracing this idea that it isn't a gender. It is maybe, as we had said last month, pansexuality or, you know, sort of an omnisexuality. And so the last thing I want to say is, you know, as part of the LGBTQ umbrella, bisexuality is still hidden and often invisible. But it's not just a phase. It's a complete and viable sexual identity unto itself. And there's lots of resources available if any of the listeners are questioning their sexual identity or they want to think about it more, feel free to write to me or, or check out these resources. You know, it, it, uh, Representative Sebedosa asked uh, earlier, I think this week, she asked, why, are, why is the right so obsessed with people's genitalia and what they do with it? It's a really great question. Here, here. We leave it there. This has been Sex Matters with sex educator Dr. Jane Fleischman. Thank you, Jane, so Thanks, much. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Buzz. <laughs> Want to make a difference in a big way? Nearly 200 children in Hampshire County are on a waiting list to be matched with adult mentors called BIGS. Children who are matched with mentors through Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Hampshire County do better in school, report higher self-confidence, and have better relationships with peers. Start something. Call 413-259-3345 and volunteer or donate to Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Hampshire County. Grow Food Northampton helps you make the local food system better. This is Michael Skillicorn, Director of Programs. You can join us by shopping at Northampton Tuesday Market, getting a plot at our community garden in Florence, buying a farm share at Crimson and Clover or Sawmill Herb Farm. You can volunteer with us in our giving garden or participate in our neighborhood market. WHMP Northampton at WRSI HD2 Turner's Falls. WHMP.com on Northampton Radio Group Station. It's 10 o'clock. This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Deborah Rodriguez. We begin with a critical vote on trans rights in the Northwest. Guests will come to order. It will come days after a protest that disrupted proceedings in the state legislature. Montana Republican leaders today will vote to censure or expel transgender Democratic State Representative Zoe Zephyr. She's been silenced for her comments against a bill to ban gender-affirming care for children. Katie Spence is among her many supporters. I elected her so she could come to Helena to speak for me, and now we are here to speak for her since she has been silenced. Zephyr said those who vote to ban gender-affirming care for young people would have, quote, blood on their hands. Jim Crisula, CBS News. The fate of the Proud Boys accused ringleaders is now in the hands of a jury. All five face the highest level charge levied so far, seditious conspiracy. 
Correspondent Scott McFarlane is on Capitol Hill. The group includes Enrique Tario, whose defense attorney told the jurors yesterday it was Donald Trump's words, his motivations, his anger that caused what occurred on January 6th. President Biden meets with his South Korean counterpart at the White House today, where the two men plan to sign a military agreement. It'll pave the way for American nuclear submarines to dock in South Korea for the first time since the 1980s, a move that's likely to inflame tensions further with North Korea. A Florida man has been charged with murdering and dismembering an Uber Eats driver who made a delivery to his home in Holiday. Pasco County Sheriff Chris Noko. We arrested Oscar Solis for felony murder in conjunction with a robbery because we were able to find the victim's wedding ring and car keys in another room in the house outside from where we believe the homicide occurred. The sheriff says the driver's remains were found in trash bags and in a cooler. Parts of Yosemite National Park will close Friday with California's massive snowpack melting rapidly. Sharon Freeman is keeping track of water levels in northeastern Truckee. We have this rock out in the middle of the river that we watch how high over that rock it's going (laughs) and it's way over. Temperatures in central California could climb into the 90s today. The biggest beer maker confirms... I got some Bud Lights for us. Two marketing executives are on leave after a decision to hire trans influencer Dylan Mulvaney to push their product. The backlash was immediate. Bud Light sales plunged more than 17%. But marketing experts say the decision still plays well with young people who support diversity and want companies to take a stand on controversial issues. Dow up two points. This is CBS News. Streamline how you hire with Indeed. Their powerful hiring platform makes it easy to attract, interview, and hire candidates all in the same place. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. Guys, stop putting your love life on hold. U.S. Pharmacy has some exciting news. If you've been wanting to try Viagra or Cialis, now's the perfect time. Call today and receive 90 little blue or little yellow pills for only $119 with free shipping. Why order some low-dose sildenafil from one of those subscription services when we can give you what you want now? Call 800-711-6818 and we'll rush your order discreetly packaged to your door. Been thinking about trying Viagra or Cialis? Call U.S. Pharmacy at 800-711-6818 for as little as only 119 for 90 pills. Need your package in a hurry? Call 800-711-6818 and ask about our express shipping option and we'll rush your order to you as soon as possible. Save money on this little blue or yellow pill you've been wanting to try. Again, 800-711-6818 now. That's 800-711-6818. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. The conversation was heated at the East Hampton School Committee meeting last night when the public had a chance to voice their concerns about the search for superintendent. Many parents disagreed with the decision to rescind Dr. Vito Perone's job offer. Have an awesome candidate. Dr. Perone outshines them all, but you cannot admit that you were wrong. Their next superintendent pick, Dr. Erica Faginski-Stark, withdrew from negotiations. She was accused of using conservative transphobic rhetoric on her social media. Transphobic comments make a candidate not viable for this district. The school committee voted five to one with one vote to abstain to pursue seeking an interim superintendent for one year. The state education board is exploring new ways to address the statewide teacher shortage through more flexible regulations for specialized educators. Board members voted to start the process of amending education licensure regulations to create an easier pathway for already licensed teachers. 
to be able to teach special education and English as a second language, among other changes. Irving residents met Monday at the elementary school to discuss six options for the demolition of the paper mill and found the community strongly supports the first option that would pay for the demolition in a one-year tax override amounting to $3.7 million. The $3.7 million and a $600,000 grant would fully fund the demolition of the mill, save a pump house. Another day with a mixture of sun and clouds and another round of scattered showers, mainly this afternoon, a high of 60 to 64. The scattered showers continue this evening, otherwise variable clouds, an overnight low of 36 to 42. Sun cloud mix, chance for a few showers tomorrow, a high of 58 to 62, 60s and dry on Friday. 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 101.5 WHMP. This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg on WHMP. And welcome to our show. I am Buzz Eisenberg. And I'm Bill Newman. Bill, we have, uh, you know, there is such a treasure that has existed now for, I guess, 35 years um, in this valley. Um, and we are so lucky to have the found, founder and director of a couple of choruses, which some of us have been... Uh, wowed by more times than we can count. It is Eveline McDougall of the Fiery Hope and Amandla Choruses, and we are here to celebrate a 35th anniversary where it's going to be a concert upcoming. Hello, Eveline. Hello, good morning. It's so Thank good to be back in the studio with you. It's always, you know, it's always great to be within 10 feet of you because you <laughs> always have a an incredible uh, bounce to your spirit that uh, enlivens uh, me wherever we see you. So thank What's you. the alternative, Buzz? I'm not going there. Don't go there. Don't go there. <laughs> no, but it is great. So uh, what is this, a 35th anniversary yeah. concert? When's it going to be? Where's it going to be? It's going to be in Greenfield at the All Souls Unitarian Church, right on the corner of Hope and Main Streets in Greenfield. And we have long history with that building and that community. And we're also benefiting Stone Soup Cafe, which is run out of the basement of that building. So we're really excited. This Saturday, April 29th, 7 p.m. But come a little early because my string band is opening and we're so excited. We're going to start a little early. Well, let's talk about who's going to be performing. Okay. Let's start it with your <clears throat> string band. We'll start with the string band. So we have four locals, myself um, on violin, viola, and possibly accordion, if you're lucky that day. And then Andy Van Ash on guitar. He's from Plainfield. And Dan Frank from beautiful downtown Asheville. You bet. He's on mandolin and hurdy-gurdy, which kind of looks like a crossbow, but it is a musical instrument. And then we have Desiree Lowett from Turner's on the other fiddle. Could you go back, just for those of who are sitting in the back of the class, a crossbow that's an instrument <laughs> that looks like... Do this, do that again for well, me, Well, the hurdy-gurdy. The hurdy-gurdy. It's hurdy not a dance from the early 60s? Well, okay, we're not going there, but it's... it's, a, it's <laughs> so a many places we can't fabulous, go. Fabulous <laughs> instrument that... Uh, it's a stringed instrument, and you crank it with a hand. Look it up, folks. It's fantastic. And Say it again. Hurdy-gurdy. It is fun to say, isn't it? Hurdy-gurdy. It is fun. And Dan performs on it, and he teaches it, and he's just a monster. So that's the Forest Avenue String Band. And that's at what time? That We're going to start about quarter seven, just because we can't put it off another moment. And then, after we've done some traditional tunes from, oh, the Celtic Isles and Quebec and, you know, Cape Breton and places like that, then the chorus, currently called Fiery Hope, formerly known as Amandla, big story there, will then take to the stage. And um, 
that, how long will the concert be, you think? Oh, well, you know, not more than an hour and a half, couple hours like that. You know. Can you tell us a bit <clears throat> about Amandla and Fiery Hope? And Happy to. Including how many people, where do they come from, what are their backgrounds, how do you conduct this? Okay, so we are currently a smaller group than we were in the before times, and I'm hoping to stock the pond a little bit more in the coming year because, you know, the pandemic really, really freaked people out. And so all of a sudden, this rather innocent activity known as choral singing became in a lot of people's minds and, and medically one of the most dangerous things you could do. It's a little safer now, and we will, the singers will be masked. I will not be masked because you can't emcee a show wearing a mask, but um, we're going to be doing it like that. Um, I hope to start back up in the fall with a little bit relaxed, more relaxed approach. So we're going to have, oh, I don't know, 15, 20 singers, as opposed to what people are possibly used to seeing with Amandla slash Fire Hope, more like 40. But we are making our way back to what passes for normal. Still well, a pretty good sized chorus. It's a pretty, course, pretty good yeah. sized chorus. And we'll be singing in Spanish, Estonian, Arabic, Kosa, Zulu, as well as English. And I will do uh, a solo piece in French and English, the two languages of my childhood. And if anybody is wowed by what you're hearing uh, Evelyn describe as what you're going to hear, it, it, that's what you've been doing for so long. I, I remember when I first heard of the Imadla Chorus up in Greenfield. It was, um, I think it, it had to do with uh, the anti-apartheid movement. Yes, yes. that's how we us? began. Yeah, so in the 80s, of course, many of us were concerned about the apartheid situation in South Africa, uh, not always looking at the apartheid situation in our own country, might I add, myself included. Here, here. Here, here. So uh, fortunately, we've learned. Um, but we were, we were um, captured, our imaginations were captured by Nelson Mandela and Stephen Biko and and um, a lot of beautiful people. So in 88, when I was 23 years old, I started a group. I didn't mean to start a group. I meant to just do a Sunday afternoon teaching people these songs in four-part harmony, but it was so fabulous that they literally wouldn't let me leave the room until I promised to do it again. Wow. So we've been doing it for 35 years. Now, a couple of years after uh, we started, Mandela was released from prison, 27 years, right? <clears throat> He was not yet president. That came a few years later. But a lot of the black South Africans we had been collaborating with musically in the area, Dr. Mzamo Mangalisa notably, and the group Barwa, a lot of them went back to South Africa to take up positions of leadership. And then we were left to say, okay, we've got apartheid right here at home, American style. And we started branching out more and looking at the whole ball of wax. And uh, I think we've sung in... I think 25 or 30 different languages over the years. Um, How do you do that? You know, music is a, well, you've probably heard that when people are dying or when people have dementia, the last thing to go is the appreciation of music and the ability to sing. If you learn, well, I'll tell you, when I worked with Pete Seeger, he quoted Mahalia Jackson to me frequently. And he said, if you learn a song in someone else's language, it makes it that less likely that you'll want to hurt them. And there's something about, you know, like I can take this song um, that we'll be doing in Estonian. I don't speak a, a lick of Estonian, but I can... And I'm singing about uh, the longing for the homeland. So you can learn a song because it comes with the music, and all of a sudden you're doing... 
Prosa and Spanish and German and so Vietnamese. Uh, Evelyn uh, McDougall, you were raised by a couple of musicians, right? I was raised in two languages, actually, more than that. But my mom is from Quebec and my dad is from Brooklyn. And they were both professional musicians. Yeah, so I was, I was raised with that sensibility of just playing music every single day. I started performing when I was four. And this marks 50 years that I've been playing the fiddle. Well, maybe you could play some fiddle for us. Oh, I could. Is that possible? Oh, it's so possible. All right. So uh, my family comes from Saint-Germain-de-Cantam in Quebec. So that's between Montreal and Quebec City. Now, a lot of times I'll play Quebecois music and people will say, oh, that's such happy music. And I think it beca it's because we survived. We survived threats to our uh, culture and our language and all that. So I'm going to grab my fiddle. And when you say Quebecois, it means what? From Quebec. Okay. Quebecois. And it is, is its own kind of music, its own language? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, that, that's a whole other thing we could talk about for a long time, but we won't. But it, it is French. And people say, oh, you don't speak real French. Well, yeah, I do. Yeah. So it's, it's a different culture, though. And it's, it's a very um, assertive culture. Okay. Hey, okay. Bill, do you know the favorite key to play Kubakwa music in? Eh? <laughs> we are very happy people, and we're also, we've been through a lot. Yeah. So, so that's a little bit, and you know, when you come and hear Forest Avenue open for the show on Saturday, you'll also hear... Um, well, before you play the next oh, one, yeah. didn't that sound a little Celtic? Well, it is Quebecois, it's called the Gigue de Sucre, which is, refers not to like white sugar, but to maple, sirop uh. d'érable. And so you will hear, like I'll play a Celtic tune, I'll play Irish or Scottish, and people will say, oh, nice, from Canada or I'll play something from Quebec, uh, and they'll say, oh, I love that Irish tune. So there is, there is some crossover, but it, some of it's quite unmistakable. Yeah, and I just want to say, I have in my, in my fiddle case pictures of my Tante Gertrude Janelle and my uncle Fernand Saint-Ange, who were famous in that region for playing at dances and such. Wow, what so, a family. Yeah, big. My mom was number 10. So, I mean, the farm work. Number 10 on the hit parade? Number no, number 10 in the kid line. <laughs> 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 but um, I want to back up for a second because you asked me about the chorus. And I just want to say that when we, so Amandla means power in Zulu. And uh, the reason we changed our name, and I just want to get this in here because I know we have limited time. Too Fiery Hope. Too Fiery Hope was that after 30 years of being Amandla, uh, you know, long, longer story. You can read my book, Fiery Hope, Building Community. And I have, and it is just a oh, wonderful, you, wonderful Rose. book. It's got graphics. It's terrific. Yeah. So we, we went with a suggestion that we let go of the African name, which, you know, makes sense. I'm, I'm not from Africa. I'm from upstate New York and southern Quebec. So Fiery Hope was uh, a phrase that came to my mind when I met Malala Yousafzai and her dad when I wrote a song about her and we got to meet her and work with her. And so that carried forward to our new name. Powerful image, fiery yeah, yeah, hope. Yeah, yeah. So I interrupted you. You're about to play for oh, us. Oh, well, so just to give you a little contrast, I'm going to play something from the more Celtic uh, tradition. 
So this is called The Moon and Seven Stars. just as well but it's not my foot has a mind of its own it won't stop yeah come to the show on saturday you're all on the guest tell list. us about the show again so the show saturday april 29th 7 p.m but come early because it's gonna i think it's gonna fill and we're also starting the music a little early because why not right well a concert with musicians <clears throat> who start the concert early that really, <laughs> really, only, only, only here in the valley. Yeah, <laughs> that's well. Cool. The truth <laughs> is that the uh, your choruses over the years have been so uh, committed to the notion of community and to contributing to community through music, and who could possibly not admire and love and want to go see people whose mission is to integrate music into our lives. And, I, and let me just add one other, one other point. Yes, there's a social justice component that's really important, was really important to Mandla, continues to be really important for Fiery Hope. The reason for existence, existence is there, and it's in the name. But it's also fabulous music. I mean, really that's, I mean, that's the crux of this is, God, it's just it's such a talented group of people, and you— bring together and bring out the best in your musicians. Well, thank you, Bill. It, it is fun. And I got to say also, I want to point out that it's been kind of a lifesaver. So when everything shut down because of the you-know-what in mm -hmm. March of 2020, I thought, oh, great. Great career choice, McDougal, right? But what we did was we pivoted immediately. Like, we didn't miss a beat. I started something called Soulful Serenades. And we started going to people's driveways and porches and And lawns. serenading and singing <clears throat> to them. And, yeah. Yes. And over the phone. Like, I, people would call me up and say, hey, can you call my uncle in New Rochelle? He's 95 years old. And he has, you know, he doesn't see people. Everything's shut down. Somebody delivers his meals in a hazmat suit. Right? I mean, we were well-intentioned, but that was a bad idea. And so I had more, I was working more during the pandemic as a singer than I had before. And I was busy before. But what it did is it brought to me an immediacy that was so um, life-changing for me. And I, I was with people who had cancer, people who were uh, getting over COVID and whatnot, people who'd lost people to COVID. And so I ended up writing a song in French and English, which I'm going to do. I rarely do solo stuff, but I'm going to do it Saturday. It's a, a song about my mom's dementia. Well, we are going to take a break. Will you give us a taste of that afterwards? I will later, yeah. Okay. We'll get a taste. It's worth waiting for, for sure. Right. We're going to take a break. We're talking to uh, Evelyn McDougall. We're talking about this concert. It's the 35th anniversary celebration of the Fiery Hope, formerly known as Amand La Chorus. It's going to be in Greenfield this Saturday at All Souls Church. It's going to benefit the Stone Soup Kitchen, and we're going to be right back after these messages. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg.
Do you know what's going on in business in Western Mass? You do if you read Business West. Find out which companies are growing, which companies are innovating. Learn about people on the move, people taking the lead. Every issue of Business West is packed with business news, including incorporations, building permits, real estate transactions, and bankruptcies. Pick up a copy or read Business West online. The vital business news is in Business West, the business journal of Western Mass. You could be one word away from $1,000. It's a grand in the hand on WHMP. Listen each weekday for the $1,000 keyword at around 8.15, 12.15, and 4.15. When you hear the keyword, just go to whmp.com and enter it for a shot at $1,000. You have until midnight to enter the keyword of the day. It's a grand in the hand on WHMP. Complete rules and details on whmp.com. No matter your age, love is always a hot topic. And so is love that goes south and everything in between. Join Young at Heart at the Academy of Music Theater in Northampton on Sunday, May 7th at 3 p.m. for The Love Show, featuring an unexpected combination of songs. From Lizzo to Marvin Gaye and Rihanna to the Buena Vista Social Club, Get ready to hear all about the dimensions and experiences of love and sex. If you want a lover, I'm your man. Young at Heart, backed by the fabulous Young at Heart Band, Sunday, May 7th at 3 p.m. at the Academy of Music in Northampton. Tickets are available through the Academy of Music box office. Call today or get them online at aomtheater.com. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. And we are back with the immensely talented uh, Evelyn McDougall, uh, who has, uh, in 1988, she created the uh, Amandla Chorus, which is now called the Fiery Hope Chorus, and it is going to be performing this Saturday at the Old Souls Church in uh, Greenfield at 7 o'clock. Um, it's going to cost, because it's the 35th anniversary of the chorus, it's going to cost between $0.35 cents and $35, depending on where you land on the sliding scale. But nobody is going to be turned away because it's a community-based thing. Evelyn? Yeah. Never. People are never turned away from our show due to that reason. All right. You have a guitar strap over your shoulders. I know. This is my, this is my, um, my sort of casual instrument. It's the one I did not study. <laughs> But, you know, if you know four chords, you can get pretty far. So um, I, I was saying before the break that um, doing the soulful serenades during the pandemic really shifted things for me and made me understand how music is so much more than entertainment. I mean, I already knew that. But when I saw that it is a lifeline, it actually helped me become more present in my life and in my work. For example, my mother has Alzheimer's. And I didn't see her for three months during the beginning of the pandemic. It was a really bad idea. There were a lot of older people and little kids who suffered. We know that. That's an old story. What it helped me do was get in touch with some feelings about that. And I wrote this song. Well, I'm just going to do a little snippet of it. But it's in the two languages of my childhood, French and English. Um, and, it's, and will this be played on this Saturday? This will be played solo by yours truly, which is a really rare event in my life. But anyway... Il est difficile de comprendre 
pourquoi le corps reste quand l'esprit s'est envolé? Il est difficile de comprendre pourquoi le corps reste quand l'esprit s'est envolé. And that means <clears throat> it's hard to figure why the body stays put when the mind has flown. The machine keeps a running though the fuses have blown. The credits have rolled, the screen is fading to black. If singing this song could make it right, I'd sing it all day and all night. I'd sing it all day and all night. Because you'll always be my mom and I'll always be your girl. Even though you've drifted to a different world, tu seras ma mère toujours. Je serai ta fille toujours, toujours. And it goes on like that, just, you know, honoring the fact that my mom will always be my mom, even though I don't always recognize her. Evelyn McDougall, I am always so impressed, not just because you're so talented, right? you play so many different instruments, your voice is so beautiful, but you're always messaging such beautiful messages in what you compose and what you arrange for the chorus it's why why are you always trying to deliver a message mm. well i'm not on social media so this is easier for me but no i think it's because i i think that music well i i don't remember who said it but someone said all successful social movements and social revolutions are accompanied by music and that gets my attention because you can scream from the rooftops all you want. You can set off Molotov cocktails, but where's that going to get you? We see that. So this is how I do it, and it's how my people did it and still do it. So. Yeah, and when we talk about the revolution of sorts of the 60s, what we really recall, what is still with us, is the music. Is the music. E Evelyn, you brought with us, brought to us, brought with you today a number of instruments. I did. Uh, you've it's played, a habit. You've I browbeat her. You've played a few. Uh, you have an accordion there. I, I do. Would you be willing to play a little on that? I would. would I you? would. Um, so the accordion is another instrument that goes way back with, with my people. And um, this is actually a little snippet of a song from France, where my people are originally from. Oh, who knows? I mean, we're all originally from Africa, right? Yes. But anyway, you know. I mean, this just makes me feel like I'm in France. feel the accordion in my chest it just goes right <laughs> through you it's so fantastic it really, really you have so many different um instruments that you are so proficient at it's amazing well i was a piano teacher for a really long time and if you play the piano sports fans if you play the piano you can play the accordion it's really fun highly i've never taken a single lesson in accordion you just you just do it there's one more instrument i want to play before i have to go and that's the viola because one of the things that happened 
was I was not only doing vocal music uh, for folks during the pandemic, but people wanted to hear songs without words so they could just sink into. And the most requested tune, not surprisingly, was by Jay Unger, Ashokan Farewell, which even if you're looking mm. at me like, I'm not sure I know that, you'll know it. So, and I, being a little bit of an outside the box person, I played on the fiddle a lot, but I also played on the viola, which puts it, I like to put it in a different key. Yet another treat upcoming, and it is. The viola being, is it fair to say, it's kind of a larger fiddle? Oh, that that's Bill. bad. That was terrible. Oh God, I've just it's, insulted. It, no, I've no, insulted no, 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 viola no. people across the <laughs> Absolutely globe. Absolutely not. Stick with me, viola people. No, there's a family. The the family of violin, viola, cello, and the bass. And this is one of the cousins. Okay. Okay. Can can you live with that? <laughs> God, I thought I had really stepped in. No, no, but I didn't. Well, Stradivarius did make violas as well. Oh yeah, you can't offend me, Bill. people as they're sitting on their porches with their masks on and their hazmat suits and they would just weep it's melodically just so beautiful well, Jay just, Unger, you can't beat jay Unger, really it's really incredible so we have a big event happening on saturday and it's going to include the the uh, fiery hope previously known as amandla chorus it's going to include uh the quartet of which evelyn mcdougall is a part and Forest a Avenue. rare performance a rare performance of her playing solo, this beautiful song about her mother and his, her dementia on set. So tell us more about where it's going to be, when it's going to be, how much it's going to cost, and how people can find out about it. It is this very Saturday, April 29th, 7 p.m. at the All Souls Church, and that's right in downtown Greenfield, 399 Main Street. And it's going to be um, $0.35 cents to $35 sliding scale, although no one's turned away. Um, suggested donation, 15 but, you know. Because this is the 35th anniversary that is so concert. True. And um, we are we're thrilled to benefit Stone Soup Cafe. Look them up. They do amazing work. Support them, please. Indeed They're they terrific. do. And you, Evelyn McDougall, as the founder and director of this incredible phenomenon that our communities are so fortunate to have as part of. Thank you. Thank you, Buzz and Bill and Dan. Thank you, Evelyn, for everything you do, for everything you are. Break a leg. Thank you. Don't break a finger, though. <laughs> We're going to be right back with Andy Steinberg, counselor-at-large, to talk more about the important May 2nd vote in Amherst right after this. Oh, I care for the light for me Remember a Saturday I know they say let it be 
This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. The conversation was heated at the East Hampton School Committee meeting last night when the public had a chance to voice their concerns about the search for a superintendent. Many parents disagreed with the decision to rescind Dr. Vito Perone's job offer. Have an awesome candidate. Dr. Perone outshines them all. But you cannot admit that you were wrong. Their next superintendent pick, Dr. Erica Faginski-Stark, withdrew from negotiations. She was accused of using conservative transphobic rhetoric on her social media. Transphobic comments make a candidate not viable for this district. The school committee voted five to one with one vote to abstain to pursue seeking an interim superintendent for one year. The state education board is exploring new ways to address the statewide teacher shortage through more flexible regulations for specialized educators. Board members voted to start the process of amending education licensure regulations to create an easier pathway for already licensed teachers to be able to teach special education and English as a second language, among other changes. Irving residents met Monday at the elementary school to discuss six options for the demolition of the paper mill and found the community strongly supports the first option that would pay for the demolition in a one-year tax override amounting to $3.7 million. The $3.7 million and a $600,000 grant would fully fund the demolition of the mill, save a pump house. Another day with a mixture of sun and clouds and another round of scattered showers, mainly this afternoon, a high of 60 to 64. The scattered showers continue this evening, otherwise variable clouds, an overnight low of 36 to 42. Sun cloud mix, chance for a few showers tomorrow, a high of 58 to 62, 60s and dry on Friday. 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 101.5 WHMP. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. We have a very unique and lethal combination of emboldened white supremacy in this country and unfettered access to guns. We need to keep talking about the intersection of white supremacy and guns. Guns are used in order to you know, elicit fear and power and control by white supremacists. And it's not an issue that's going away easily. 101.5, 1400, and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. Being nosy is a good thing. Like if you suspect a natural gas leak in your home, get outside immediately. Then call 911 or your natural gas provider. Natural gas gives off a funny smell, kind of like rotten eggs. You may also hear a hissing sound or see a hazy white cloud. So if you notice any of these signs, get outside immediately. Then call 911 or your natural gas provider. Being nosy can keep you safe. From the member companies of the Northeast Gas Association. Food. Stories about food. From people who grow it, prepare it, and eat it. Field Notes, an afternoon of storytelling. And I didn't know this, but owls hiss. CISA, the local hero folks, welcome you to Field Notes, Sunday, April 30th at the Academy of Music. Turns out, not the only one who's ever thought about eating bugs. Spend an afternoon at the Academy with farmers, chefs, and just plain food lovers as they share stories of life in the food chain. If you look at the architecture of a dairy cow, you wouldn't think she could move very fast. I'm here to tell you that she can. Field Notes, a glimpse into the lives of the people who grow and cook the local food we love. From the poignant to the hilarious, get tickets now at the Academy of Music box office or website. 
Field Notes, true tales from local tables, farms, and kitchens. This Sunday, April 30th at 2, Academy of Music, downtown Northampton. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. Welcome to the show for those who are just joining us, and thank you for staying with us. For those who have been with us, this is... Uh, a subject we have, it's an important subject we've been covering as much as we can on Talk to Talk, and that is uh, the debt exclusion vote that's coming up in the town of Amherst on May 2nd, and with us to talk about it is uh, the at-large town councilor, Andy Steinberg, who also happens to be the chair of the Amherst uh, Finance Committee, and by way of disclosure, a good old friend of both Bill Newman and mine so yeah more, more specifically andy steinberg was the longtime executive director of western massachusetts legal services which has become community legal aid and buzz and i were on the board for years and years and about years. 25 years and and, and we and, watched as as andy provided thousands and thousands of people with uh, legal services they never could have afforded yes and I had the pleasure of working with andy who was just a just a brilliant executive director uh we should also want to say we should say this before we start, because Buzz used the word debt exclusion, and I'm afraid some people's eyes glazed over. The question here is, is Amherst going to build a school that it desperately needs or not? That's the question. Debt exclusion is how you get there. Yes. Uh, Andy? And I noticed that you had the uh, conversation with uh, Anna devon Glossley um, yesterday, and uh, you were talking about what is a debt exclusion and uh, uh, just so you know, a debt exclusion is simply a type of override that has to, and the reason for the term is very peculiar, but what it is is that you're, ta- you're asking the voters to take on debt that is not going to be a part of the um, budget that is governed by Proposition 2.5. And, a half. and um, so in order to exclude it from 2.5, you need to be able to raise more taxes, and uh, that's where the term comes so from. So the way I always think about it is if, if in fact, it's a two-and-a-half override, that means you're going to be increasing the, you're raising and appropriating, in, increasing your taxes by more than two-and-a-half percent, then that's a permanent increase. That is, every year you're up at least two-and-a-half percent. A debt exclusion is a one-time borrowing situation. You could borrow more than otherwise you'd be allowed to, right? Correct. And I thought about it, Buzz uh, and Bill, because, uh, Bill, the first time we met was 1980 when I was hired to be executive director. And that was the year that— And, the, I, and I was 12. I want to make clear that. Yeah, we were that. 12 at the time. <laughs> but that was also the year that uh, the voters, in their infinite vi- wisdom, passed Proposition 2.5. And, a half. and uh, we have been living with the um, reality of trying to— manage our municipalities with the maximum allowable increase of 2.5% in our uh, tax levy each year. And uh, it has been a challenge, and we've gotten by and been able to do it because the legislature has helped out with local aid and because inflation has uh, been relatively low for most of that period of time. we still have a great legislature that is still trying to do the best to help us out, but inflation has taken a hit as of late, and uh, 
it's made municipal finance more complicated. So, Town Councilor Andy Steinberg and Chair of the Amherst Finance Committee, what is the message that you're trying to get out to voters about that uh, debt exclusion uh, ballot uh, question? Well, what our basic message is is that um, we have two elementary schools that were built in the late 70s and were not well thought out and not well constructed and have tremendous problems um, and uh, that the wiser choice is to build a new school, um, accept the uh, reality that we do need to um, be able to pay for it, but that um, the consequences for the town, if we don't do that, are far worse than um, the consequences uh, of uh, being able to make the right choice, build the building that we really need, build the school, um, do away with uh, the schools that have created tremendous problems, which I could talk about forever and probably bore you to tears. But, you know, these were schools that just were not well thought out, have tremendous problems, and we can really have a school that is the right school for the 21st century. So Andy Steinberg, uh, Amherst Counselor Andy Steinberg, as I understand it, the choice is do the debt exclusion, which will raise taxes somewhat, and there's a website where every landowner in Amherst can find out exactly how much their their taxes will go up because of this debt exclusion. You can build the school, you can build, approve this uh, ballot question by voting yes and build the two new schools. Or you can vote it down and you're still going to spend almost that amount of money to repair s- these schools, which can't really be repaired. I mean, I, I, I continue to be baffled about how the there can be opposition to this. Slight correction there, Bill. I feel like you're going to spend more money in refurbishing the schools than you are to build a new one, if I understand the math of it all. I think that you're correct because uh, if you spend $40 million on to repair each of the schools and you don't have the money from the Massachusetts uh, School Building Authority that would match grant and pay for a portion of a, a significant portion of the new building, you'd actually be paying more from local taxation, which would then affect our ability to do other things uh, that need to get done, um, building, uh, replacing the fire station and the DPW facility that are both you know, ancient buildings and totally outmoded for current modern needs. And uh, you'd end up with, uh, therefore, a lot of sick buildings and um, a lot of sick roads that need to be replaced. And you would have to be taking the money that's available for capital expenditures and move that all towards the school and have nothing left for these other projects. So in other words, just to recap, before we move to those other sick buildings, the fire station, the library, and the roads, uh, so if, if we 
uh, repair those two schools. It's going to cost about over $80 million to repair the two older schools. And what we're going to end up with is Amherst paying for 100% of those costs, or virtually 100%. If, in fact, we build a new school, then it'll cost about $97 million, but at least $40 million plus other grants will be paid for by the state, by the authority you talked about, the Massachusetts uh, uh, School Building Authority. We pay those $40 million plus other small grants that will reduce it from $97 million to less than $50 million. Well, let me put it this way. You, you can build a new school for about $57 million and change in that ballpark or spend $80 million in refurbishing two old schools. And which will never be as good as the new green building, the educationally state-of-the-art building that we're talking about. And the new school will save $250,000 a year in energy costs, we should note. I think that's the right number. And the planning. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, um, it's more efficient to administer um, from the school administration point of view the new building that is being proposed because uh, you can arrange your class assignments more efficiently and uh, therefore um, reduce somewhat the amount of teachers and other staff that you have. We are talking with uh, town councilor uh, Andy Steinberg, who is also the chair of the Amherst Finance Committee. We're going to talk more about what Amherst needs to be doing. Obviously, first most urgent thing is what are you going to do when you get in there to vote on May 2nd or if you do early voting? Uh, and the second question is what about the other buildings that need to be that need our attention in Amherst. We're going to talk with Andy Steinberg more right after this. Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg coming up right here on WHMP. Tag your it. Tom Hartman, weekdays at noon. Tom Hartman program, your home for the resistance, commentary, conversation, and common cause. Join me, Tom Hartman, every weekday from noon to three right here on WHMP. 101-5-1400-WHMP. The Daily Hampshire Gazette, the Pioneer Valley's newspaper covering Holyoke to Deerfield and Belchertown to the Hilltowns, was awarded New England Newspaper of the Year for their local news coverage. Home delivered six days a week and online 24-7. Try their digital-only subscription options and stay connected with your community wherever you are. Pick up a copy on newsstands, subscribe, or visit gazettenet.com. The Daily Hampshire Gazette, covering the Pioneer Valley since 1786. Spring is here, and that means it's time to enjoy some sunshine in the great outdoors. Hi, I'm Caleb Hiliotis, head brewer of Amherst Brewing. 16-ounce cans of Amherst Brewing beer are available to purchase in package stores across the entire state of Massachusetts. Visit our brewery in Amherst located at the Hangar Pub & Grill for the widest variety of can options. In a rush, order cans ahead of time by visiting hangarpub.com to place a pickup order. And while you're here, why not order some of our famous Hangar Wings for the perfect pairing? That's H-A-N-G-A-R-P-U-B.com. 
The Western Mass Business Show with local dynamo Tara Brewster, Saturdays at 11 and Sundays at 2, only on WHMP. Brought to you by Greenfield Savings Bank with offices all throughout Hampshire and Franklin counties. Greenfieldsavings.com. The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. And we are continuing our conversation about Amherst's important decision uh, to be made about um, a new elementary school and funding it through a debt exclusion vote on May 2nd. Andy Steinberg is here with us. He is the Amherst Finance Committee Chair and uh, at-large town councilor. Andy Steinberg, I wanted to ask you, how can... Obviously, people can go and vote. Registered voters in Amherst can go and vote on May 2nd. There's also early voting possible, right? Early voting is going on right now at Town Hall. Just uh, people can go in during the day uh, and go on the first floor. And uh, next to the clerk's office, they'll find the where early voting takes place. I think and it's from 10 to 4. I'm not sure I of that. I think that is correct. Right. And it's uh, uh, through Thursday. And uh, so that's one way. Um, absentee uh, for people who are eligible for absentee voting has been going on for a while. I think um, that's over. I, I think. Is that right? Can you still absentee? Can, well, the ballots have to be in by, I take it, by Tuesday. I mean, so ab- absentee correct. voting could still be going on, right? Correct. And, uh, of course, in-person voting on Tuesday is... The appropriate polling place uh, for each of the uh, di- subdistricts that uh, is is what used to be how we all voted, and uh, you know some of us have uh, obtained vote by mail ballots, and we have until election day to turn them in. Yeah, so. There are other needs in Amherst. You were talking about other sick buildings. We were talking about the fire station. We are talking about the library, which is a huge discussion that's been going on for quite some time in Amherst. And uh, Dan's favorite topic, potholes. That's right. <laughs> so, Mr. Finance, Andy Steinberg, what about, can we start with the fire station? What What's going on with that? Well, the fire station, um, it's a beautiful old building in the center of town, but it totally is incapable of meeting modern needs. Um, It does not have adequate facilities for our firefighters and EMS staff who need to be there. Um, It is not built for the current size of fire uh, fighting apparatus. And uh, so uh, we can only put smaller trucks into that particular facility which serves the center of town in the, in the southern, everything south. Of course, Amherst is a very uh, narrow town, east-west, and very long north-south, and uh, therefore uh, the central fire station being the one that is the further south of all of them uh, doesn't have the larger fire trucks that are needed, and uh, it doesn't have uh, the ability to really support the EMS for, uh, vehicles, the the ambulances, because there's no facilities within the building to adequately uh, clean and sanitize the ambulances 
when they're between runs. And uh, I am so totally convinced you need a new fire station in Amherst. So let's put that over here on the shelf. What's happening with the library, which we've heard so much about? Yeah, the library, um, I'm a big supporter of the library, and it has, uh, you know, it's a beautiful building, a beautiful old building, but it doesn't have adequate facilities for children's room. The children's room is split up in several locations. It's a very confusing library to find anything in. It doesn't have uh, any kind of teen facility rooms. We have a a great uh, ESL program, English Second Language, for um, uh, people who are uh, needing of that kind of instruction, but we don't have adequate space for that kind of programming. Um, And, uh, you know, some of our special collections, which are just magnificent, um, also don't have adequate space. And uh, the way you can address that is um, by working with the grant program, the Mass Board of Library Commissioners, um, who's committed money to it and is very supportive of our moving forward uh, with the construction. So if we're able to do that, it will really provide the kind of library that is well-organized, easy to, easier to run, and provides the adequate facilities for a library that the community really needs. So Amherst is in that situation that so many municipalities find themselves in, especially now, sort of 100 years after so much development had happened, which is you have these aging buildings. There's no question about whether they need and deserve replacement, but it's quite a burden even with the grants on taxpayers. So you, as Mr. Finance Guy, and I know that you are because we've worked together before um, for so many years. So what do you say to taxpayers who are just concerned that you're trying to do too much with too little? And, and let, let, me, let me add this question to Buzz's question, if you could focus on it. As I understand it, Amherst needs to pass this debt exclusion. It needs to spend the money now in order to have the money for these other projects. If it doesn't spend the money now, it won't have the money for those projects. It's a little counterintuitive. You spend money now, and you'll have more money later. Sounds like life. Yeah. Maybe you could explain that, because that's reality. Okay. So let's go back. Um, When I um, was on the old finance committee that was part of the town meeting form of government, which is our prior uh, version, um, we had developed a plan that was going to address all of these four buildings that we're talking about. And the uh, plan um, was very well thought out and uh, would have worked had, without any problem had things gone as we went, but town meeting made a decision not to go forward with the last school project, which has created the uh, dilemma that we face now. And uh, we uh, therefore need to readjust the plan, but it's still a solid and viable plan. Um, We're having to reduce the size of the building somewhat that we would have ideally thought about. We've uh, made some decisions that we need to space the construction of the buildings farther, but it is still a plan that will work. 
And as I understand it, Dan, uh, Dan, you correct me, as you have sure. before, if I get this wrong. Andy, you correct me if I get it wrong. Amherst's choice is to spend $80 million to try to fix up old buildings that can't be, be fixed, can't be fixed, or to spend $50 million of its own money, get $40 million plus from the state, and end up with a green, forward-looking, educationally appropriate building. It's just a not... It, it's what just, do you think, Dan? Which way are you going to vote? Oh, uh, well, if, if I didn't expect you to ask me that, but of course, I think at this point, given the math, I would vote in favor of this building. I, I, I can't see any other way. My only criticism is, I mean, criticism, my only other issue is, does the town have an economic development strategy to pay for all the other projects that I hear about, given the fact that, you know, potholes are proliferating everywhere and there's a bunch of new buildings coming up. That's my only concern. Andy, in the one minute we have left... What's your answer to Dan? Do you have a strategy? We do have a strategy, and we have been working on that strategy for a while. We have been building our stabilization fund for construction. We have uh, been paying off other bonds for other construction projects so that we have low indebtedness. We have increased the percentage of the budget that goes into capital so that we can have adequate capital to both take care of the roads and to begin to work on the other buildings. So with all of the things that we've talked about, we can get there. We can get there. Well, listen, just before we break, I just want to say, and I know I'm speaking for Bill as well, uh, Andy Steinberg, for so many years we know you as a person who cares so deeply about others in your community, and you've uh, there's, there's no way to quantify or even describe the amount of help that you've given so many people. And now here you are in Amherst trying once again to make a legacy from this school committee and this uh, town council that will last forever. Andy, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for joining us on Talk the Talk. Remember to walk the walk. Do you know what's happening this Friday at 9 a.m.? Is this week's Shop Friday the Blue Heron? Correct! They go on sale this Friday at 9 a.m. The Blue Heron, the restaurant in the grand old town hall building in the center of Sunderland. Good food, good service, an ever-changing menu, and a signature martini you'll come back for again and again. There's nothing quite like the Blue Heron. Get ready to save 30% beginning Friday at 9 a.m. The Shop 30 store at whmp.com. Are you an immigrant worried about your future? Do you want to change your life? At Center for New Americans, you can take English classes for free. They help immigrants with jobs, licenses, healthcare, as well as immigration and citizenship. CNA helps you create a better future. Visit our website at cnaam.org. Call 413-587. WHMP Northampton and WRSI HD2 Turner's Falls, WHMP.com, a Northampton Radio Group station. It's 11